and welcome to the Dark Path podcast. I am Lucas Trudger. There's a song by the American metal band Mastodon called The Czar. It's actually more of a four-part opus of a progressive rock metal tune than just a simple song. My understanding is that the song was written as a sort of psychedelic version of the story of Rasputin <clears throat> and his love affair with Sorina Alexandria. It's an epic song, and it has many great moments. But one key high point of the song is when the Rasputin character passes beyond the mortal veil and sees his beloved Sorina's face in the very stars of the night sky. The line uh, in the song goes, leaving material world behind, I see your face in constellations. It's a beautiful line. And uh, as illogical as it may seem on the surface, the idea of blending the shape of a human face with the canopy of the night sky is a deeply meaningful and profound one. Very poetic, of course, too. Of all the great and everlasting mysteries, the night sky is one of the best. <clears throat> Human faces, by contrast, are very clearly in the category of a known thing. We know what a human face looks like. It is the first thing a baby really sees, as it is not an accident that newborns uh, first learn to focus on objects roughly 8 to 10 centimeters away from their face. That is, of course, just the right distance for seeing the faces of the parents, the, the infant to see the faces of their parent when they're being held or fed. In the ancient past, the night sky was well understood to be a source of mystery and wonder. <clears throat> the gods might live there somehow, and uh, the motion of the heavenly bodies seemed to speak in a language all its own. Now, uh, when we look up at the stars at night, we may understand what stars and planets and other known objects in the sky are, but that knowledge doesn't lessen the wonder of looking up into infinity and seeing tiny dots of light that represent unbelievably huge balls of constantly exploding nuclear fire millions and millions of light years away. The size and the scope of the universe is truly breathtaking. It shows us that exploration has no end and that we occupy only the tiniest part of something so vast human thought simply cannot encompass it or fathom it. Now another of the great unending mysteries is the mystery of the other, meaning the recognition that you exist in a universe inhabited by other sentient, self-aware beings and not self-aware beings. And these beings have their own thoughts, passions, and perspectives. Now, life that life exists at all is truly awesome. Um, it, it's so fragile in some ways. But it is also so incredibly, incredibly resilient. But more than that, life, of course, can become aware of itself, as we have become aware of ourselves. 
So the mystery of the other is somewhat downstream of the mystery of our infinite universe. But it is profound, and it can have life-altering uh, ramifications when really grasped, as it is the source of what makes so much of life meaningful and experience. Such is the nature of this mystery, that it can never be truly lifted from the darkness of the unknown. Its place truly is on the dark path, as no one can truly see through another's eyes. This is a marvelous thing to contemplate. It also means that while reflective self-awareness may allow for the self to emerge in one's mind, no matter how deep and how profound one's self-knowledge goes, there is no path to truly knowing another as you can know yourself. This is a key reason why most of all, most cultures throughout history put a great deal of emphasis on the idea of keeping one's word, i.e. keeping and participating in fair and honest business within one's community. It has to be recognized that in the end, we cannot truly know the mind of another. Therefore, we must actually trust one another in our dealings. More so, I think that the basic sense of trust I'm talking about, which is of keeping your word, is at the foundation of society's functionality. So it seems obvious that the abilities of human beings to coordinate and cooperate are essential to what makes us the species that we are. And, and that makes this all-important cooperation we depend on <clears throat> dependent itself on our ability to communicate. Beavers, for instance, have evolved unique and powerful teeth that need and can chew up wood. Elephants have evolved that wonderful and bizarre trunk they have that can perform a huge array of tasks critical for the elephant's survival. And we, humans, have evolved the ability to talk and share our thoughts with each other. These things, beaver teeth and elephant trunks and human vocalizations, are as critical as the organs within that pump blood and process food. They are a part of what makes life possible for each species to survive. And as I discussed in my podcast on compassion, the needs of uh, physically staying alive uh, are obviously the basis of life. But once they are met, human potential requires more. It requires, amongst other things, good communication with other people. This is the same whether you are uh, leading a group of hunters after a mammoth thousands of years ago or sitting at the head of a great company uh, like Tesla today. So we absolutely need to communicate with each other in order to survive and then in order to thrive. More so, we need to do it with a clear acknowledgement of the unknowable nature of what truly is in the heart of other people or in the heart of the other people that we deal with. So, how, then, has nature equipped us to manage that all-important skill of communicating? Well, largely with our faces.
To be sure, I am a big believer in the importance of learning and developing good body language. Uh, I think it's something every person should put some time in to do. More uh, than that, I tend to think it's out of body language that verbal language developed. I think words were put on top of the communication of body language. Now, growing up, uh, I had many pets and I lived on a farm with farm animals. And so I learned to read whether an animal was relaxed or stressed as naturally as reading a book. Now, people are no different than our animal friends in that regard. Our emotions and intentions are plainly exposed for those to with eyes to see it by our body language. Uh, interestingly, this can be altered, but only with serious training. In fact, the people who are best at pretending to emote states of being that they are not actually in are called actors. And we praise them, and we shower them with riches. It's a skill most people seem unable but to appreciate. Such is the power and importance of communicating. Now, just recently, uh, late September, early October, I should say, early October 2021, here in BC, the province has decided to force all kids in school to wear a mask right down to the kindergartners. Now, I make it no secret I dislike masks personally. It seems to me that they have almost no value in stopping or even slowing the spread of the only virus we are paying attention to. So, truly, I cannot fathom the ease by which so many seem willing to just force kids to wear these face coverings all day while at school without a second thought about the consequences of doing that. BC is an interesting kind of strange place. Um, when I first think about what BC is, I think of the stunningly beautiful natural settings. Uh, here in Vancouver on the coast, we have the coastal mountains and they meet the ocean and it makes for some beautiful epic landscapes. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else other than here on the west coast in BC in terms of nature anyways. And there are some definitely interesting and wonderful pockets of unique communities throughout the province. Um, places like some of the Gulf Islands, uh, maybe in the Kootenays and Nelson, uh, Rosalind and others. Um, they support some of the most progressive and open-minded people anywhere, I think. I am saddened and disheartened somewhat to see some poisonous ideologies gnawing at the corners of these wonderful communities, but they still remain vibrant, despite the plethora of challenges being faced by us all right now, anyways. But there is also a large population in the province that simply accepts sort of what the CBC mainstream paradigm narrative is without thinking. Uh, the willingness for groupthink and group labeling is more pathological than not in our media and most institutions. Like the kids in school who tell in their classmates for the attention it gets them, the majority of our public and media personalities seem to only strive for themselves and their positions and the uh, fashionable ideological social hierarchies they cling to so desperately. This is plainly evident in the obsessive 
and, I think, harmful drive to make masks work, despite the fact that they don't seem to. This incessant mask use, like many other public health measures, never leaves any room for debate or questioning. It is simply assumed to be correct, and something everyone simply needs to do without question. So right away, it is not adhering to the methodology of real science. What's worse is if you look at the limited data on the use of masks for stemming the spread of the virus, or of virus transmission specifically, it tends to show no indication, no significant indication of being particularly useful. From a mechanistic and practical perspective, use of masks doesn't hold up to basic logic. While high quality masks, um, like the N95 type, have some utility, the general cloth masks most people wear aren't going to do anything meaningful to stop the health crisis haunting our world, our province, and our country. Now, Nick Panda, <laughs> Nick Hudson at Panda Dynamics and Data, Ana Data Analysis has a nice and well put together very comprehensive list of most of the studies available on masking and their effects. I will put a link to the mask study archive in the video description. As with anything, I always encourage people to do their own research and make up their own minds. I have been carefully following the mask issue myself, and I cannot find a good reason to believe continuing to force them, the wearing of them, is worth the cost especially for kids and young adults. So, if you haven't already, please do go look up as many studies as you can. Compare infection rates in locations with various levels of masking and in other um, health measures, and make up your own mind. I feel compelled to make a point on the dangers and what I believe are harms of wearing masks based on my own research. I think we need to really carefully take into consideration how these harms, or at least potential harms, weigh up against the lack of evidence that masks do anything useful at all. Now, for reasons I can only attribute to fear responses, no risk analysis of masks have been done by any government who's forcing their use on their populations. None that's been made public anyways. Now, for short periods of time, I can accept some mask wearing, but only if it meets clear and solid evidence-based reasoning. It's done by personal choice and acknowledges the problems it creates. None of these stipulations are met within our current situation. But you could ask then, why is wearing a mask something that I, in any way, I myself find so concerning and potentially damaging? So, my first thought is always the restriction of the airways. I hear people defend masks in the context of the idea that it's not particularly bad for the wearer's oxygen and carbon dioxide levels because it only inhibits the airflow to a very small degree. 
this argument holds up for a small period of time, like mask use for, for a small period of time. Uh, however, over the course of many hours and over the course of many days, through many weeks, and now you know, almost two years, it's going to have some effect. One such likely effect is heightened carbon dioxide levels. Uh, when wearing a mask for a significant length of time, <clears throat> the air pocket directly in front of the mouth tends to build up a concentration of carbon dioxide. This makes the wearer inhale more carbon dioxide, again, rather than oxygen with each new inhalation. This results in many symptoms that can often be dismissed and are not usually linked to mask wearing. Things like low energy, having brain fog, and inability to concentrate, as well as increased headaches, amongst other things. Now, uh, one thing I recommend is if a person does have to wear a mask for many hours in a day, is to make sure to go outside and do breathing exercises afterwards for at least 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, breathing exercises could include just exercise in general, but focusing on the lungs somewhat. <clears throat> so, while it may be hard to say exactly what the results of slightly diminished breathing is on kids and adults who have to mask up all day, there's no reason to assume it doesn't have any effect at all. In fact, I see no indications that the youth in particular are doing well and staying healthy while we force this unnecessary, and that's the key thing, restriction on the functioning of their lungs. There is also a, I think, valid, but usually off-handedly dismissed concern around masks being contaminated with dirt and other germs. I think this is sure to happen with little ones, little kids. <clears throat> and these contaminants that might get into the mask are then breathed in continuously while the person is wearing it. There is, reason, there is a reason why medical professionals dispose of their PPE including masks, immediately after use. They do not reuse masks or gloves. So, to reiterate, mask use shows no significant utility. It does inhibit breathing to some degree, and it can cause a number of possible negative physiological outcomes. The reusing of single masks allows for contaminants to be inhaled repeatedly, potentially. But there are other harms, and harms, those harms are ones I am more concerned about in the long term. I recently saw a chart of facial expressions. It was designed for kids to learn to understand what various facial expressions mean. One side of the diagram, or the chart, showed a large array of emotions and their correlating facial expression. The other side had all the same expressions, but the person was wearing a mask. When the person was wearing a mask, it was nearly impossible to determine what emotion was being expressed. This is particularly true for kids on the autistic spectrum, I might add. Now, but this brings me back, though, to my earlier point in the podcast, that as human beings, we need to have good communication in order to survive and then to thrive. This is not hyperbole. As much as it is a great song, a uh, Led Zeppelin song, communication breakdown in reality causes chaos and ultimately 
unfortunately, violence. Now, right now, <clears throat> the divisions between groups of people are being more and more emphasized. Tribalism has all but ruined politics, and insane ideologies have infected academia, public institutions, corporations, and more. Anyone who knows real human history knows what happens when populations get divided into groups and then get overly antagonistic with each other. The worst outcomes of that kind of behavior being wars. So, any relevant solution or solutions to move humanity forward in a positive direction will require good and honest communication. Period. And what does that have to do with masks? Well, as I said, our faces are the main tool nature gave us to communicate with. And, surprisingly, our faces include our mouths and our noses. Communication is like punching. If you want to be good at it, you have to practice every day. You have to take the idea of its importance seriously. And you have to develop skill in its youth, in both in terms of your understanding of it and in, in depth of it and the breadth of it in terms of knowledge, how deep and how wide of your knowledge can go. So we naturally practice communicating with each other then. Every little conversation we have throughout the day is a chance to hone communication skills. Knowing people, talking with them, listening to them. This is all it takes to, well, not all, but this is how great communicators emerge into the world. And it is only by becoming a great communicator that one can also become a great leader. Now, I could get into detail, but the micro-movements of tiny facial muscle, muscles demonstrate important cues as to the emotional validity of the words being spoken. This, amongst other nonverbal elements, are just as important as the dictionary definitions of the words being used. They're actually probably more important. More than that, it takes courage and confidence to stand your ground and show your face to the community, to speak the truth plainly and openly to your peers. This is something <clears throat> that needs to be valued and encouraged. But sadly, not only has society seemingly stopped emphasizing the value of outward confidence, as in the courage to stand and show one's face proudly to the world, we unbelievably now have become afraid of each other's faces, literally. The only possible outcome of this is less meaningful communication, more anxiety, and other psychological issues. And eventually, it will lead to serious societal breakdowns. And it's all unnecessary. It has been said that astronauts who are able to see the Earth from space experience a shift in their perspective on life. A positive one, of course. And this indicates that when life is viewed from a bit of a distance, its value can suddenly sort of come forth and more into focus. I think it's kind of like how in the Mastodon song, the Rasputin character passes from this life 
but he receives a vision of his beloved, the one he loves the most, in the stars in which he is, he, which he is ascending into. Now I take that to indicate that once the struggles of life pass you by, it's the love you carry that does not fade. Remember in the song, it's somehow, rather, sorry, the love you carry does not fade. Rather, that love is, in the song anyways, is used to demonstrate that it animates the very universe, the very stars. As the line is, I see your face in constellations. And again, the line is, I see your face. Not that I see your elbow or your butt or your thigh or something. But unlike the members or member of Mastodon that wrote that song, we as a society seem to have forgotten that the great beauty and value of life is supposed to be seen on and in the faces of the people we know and love. More, it's supposed to be seen in the faces of children and generally on the faces of other living sentient beings, not even just humans, just other creatures, because we all share the world together with the same life force energy animating us. So without genuine evidence and just cause to cover our faces, we can only bring harm to ourselves by continuing to do so. Mentally, physically, and spiritually, we are diminishing ourselves by hiding behind masks. So I say this with all the compassion and care I have. Take off your masks, my friends. The ones you wear internally and, to whatever degree you can, the ones you wear on your beautiful face. Thank you for listening. My best. Take care and see you soon.